Welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Christian Yordanov here. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Jehan Sattar. Uh, he is a certified self-sabotage expert trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, mindfulness, hypnotherapy, and nutrition with a decade of experience. And I don't know where the hell he got this decade of experience because he he looks like he's 22 years old or something. <laughs> But uh, he, you will see from our conversation, he's a man that is way wiser than his years led on. So, Jehan, thank you so much for joining me today, brother. Thanks for having me on, Christian. So, yeah, thank you so much. Um, so maybe I, I listened to... Um, a little bit of your story yesterday on an interview you were on another podcast so i think it will be it's quite a quite the hero's journey so if you don't mind maybe you can uh you know give us a little bit about how how did you get what led you to doing the work that you do today well first of all i was a wreck <laughs> i was a wreck for most of my teenage years and my, my mid-twenties and, uh, and then I just one day everything just kind of broke down for me and I was a musician and I was having a lot of success with that but there was also a darker agenda behind a lot of the success that I was getting and I had joined the sex drugs and rock and roll club in my teens because I kind of thought that was what you're supposed to do I was, I was very programmed uh, the image and the, the lyrics and everything that was going on and um i just became a person that i wasn't i also had a whole lot of stuff going on from like my my father's side he was uh, drunk and he was all saying nasty stuff and um you know as you would know that takes a toll on your psyche at some point like something's going to trigger that so it, it, it kind of fit in with my tortured artist profile that I created for myself and um, I just took the long hard road out of hell basically and uh, after trying to commit suicide a few times uh, finally it just didn't work out and I actually just said to myself Jesus Christ I can't even kill myself right and it was, it was you know that's a hilarious moment but it was serious for me in the time and you know I just heard myself say it out loud and I thought to myself yeah this is ridiculous and something's got to change. And so I just decided to take responsibility for myself. And um, here I am now. <laughs> yeah. So that was what about, you said about 12 years ago? About 15 years ago. 15 years ago, yeah. So so what, um, when you made that decision to take the, you know, the, the right path for yourself what do you think were the sort of the catalysts that got you on, onto the onto the path honestly i love to tell people it's just my desire to change was greater than my desire to stay the same i was tired of hitting my head against the wall it took me a few years there to get it all together it was a slow progression and i noticed that i just kept doing stuff and the results were terrible I, I can't make it any simpler than that. I just realized every time I did something that I thought was okay or I thought was normal, it got messed up and there was nobody else to blame but me. 
And so it got me very curious because I felt like I was doing the right thing. And I'm sure many people feel like they're doing the best they can, but the best that they can do is really steaming pile of crap, you know? Yeah. And why do you think that is? I, I can go back to the mindset that I was in then and tell you what I thought it was. I thought the world was just out to get me. But then as I, I had that defining moment where I was like, I can't even kill myself, right? What am I going to do next? Um, I just kind of decided to allow my reactions to be a little bit different. So I observed things differently. Uh, essentially, that's what happened. And I realized that something had to be going on that I didn't understand that was happening under the surface. And fortunately, when I had that realization, a bunch of stuff just started happening in my life. Like books would show up. And I was kind of like, huh. So there's a, a thing called the subconscious mind. And, you know, people do all kinds of weird stuff all the time. And you know, things are happening uh, all seemingly outside of their control, even though they're doing it. And that just got me curious. So once that seed was planted, um, I just kind of kept that awareness in the back of my head. I was still an idiot for a few years there, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it took me a while to um, to really get to the point where I was like, okay, so there's a whole world of psychology out there that I don't understand. And if I want to be any better, I have to understand. Right, 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 right. So I, um, I also would... Probably my twenties were quite um, unproductive. Let's say a lot of st stupid things I would do, um, and I, I I think I would tell myself a story that it had to do with my upbringing. You know the certain things my parents, let's say, did or didn't do that sent me down this path and um I, I think one day i just got fed up with the with telling myself that story you know so why do you think what, what do you think keeps us sort of in that i guess doom loop of playing the victim that is it just these unconscious patterns that we've learned or what do you think it could be honestly it could be several reasons, but what I see most commonly occurring with my clients is this inability or unwillingness to want to take responsibility for themselves. They live on the Stephen Cartman's uh, victim triangle, where they're constantly fluctuating from victim to rescuer to, uh, you know, somebody's persecuting them, and it just goes on and on in an infinite loop like that. They're never where they are. And it's only after asking a, a few questions do they start to realize, oh, wait, that's me that's doing all that. It's not really the other person, even though the other person does stuff sometimes. And um, the large part of it is all subconscious stuff that for the first time, they are unpacking these ideas, these concepts about themselves that they have created. It's all a self-fulfilling prophecy that they're living in. And the subconscious mind is a perception database, so it holds all the things about us, who we are, what we do, why we do what we do, 
what we think about the world, what we think about other people, all that stuff. And right. when we think we are thinking, what we're really doing is playing out a complex set of compartmentalized programs that each have their own subsections that are like thought categories and they have what I like to call the self-justification index which is just a shitty reason or shitty list of reasons why you can't do the thing that you know you should do or why you do what you do and it's all behavior related it's all you know what is my reward for executing this behavior even if I get a negative outcome from it I still get a positive reward in my mind from that so that's kind of what I think it is so when someone let's say knows they shouldn't whatever take a, a line of whatever or go out on the weekend take some amphetamines or drink a bunch of alcohol they know they shouldn't do that what what causes that compulsion to continue where they kind of stay in that negative loop oh well you see the big problem there is that um negative reinforcement doesn't really do anything to stop a set of bad behavior you know 45 of your whole life actions is all habitual stuff i guess all habits like crack or methamphetamine like you said all habits start as actions that you decided to do and now you can do them without thinking about it and habits really eliminate the need for self-control so behavior is going to become a habit when it no longer requires any decision making from you whatsoever does that make sense so, so yeah so i guess what happens in in these systems is that your limbic system is asking you to give it something that is going to be a quick fix i need to feel something other than what i'm feeling right now so in the mind of an addict or the rather the brain of an addict the limbic system is scared to shit it's literally screaming oh god please help me i don't know what to do i don't feel safe i feel supported i need to feel normal and um you know the limbic system and the vagal systems of the body aren't really the best when it comes to understanding language so if you just say to yourself i know that doing a line of coke is bad it doesn't hear you you still have that underlying urge and so the limbic system and the subconscious mind are one and the same they work together and when you're playing all the programs of stress or fear or whatever it is you're looking to reach for something that's going to calm that nervous system so calm that limbic brain down and if you don't get that then you just go overboard and the thing about it is is that drugs agitate the limbic system even more even though you get that uh, momentary high even smoking pot and stuff like that you get that momentary feeling of calm but then that eventually goes away and you're left with the residual effects of that right mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So what what's the other option then? If if so, like, would it be? I know you 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 teach about uh, breathing, mindfulness. Would would that be the way to sort of interrupt that uh, pattern? Yeah, that's the most common and effective way of doing it because you have to do it anyways. Even if you come to someone like me who will help you with your subconscious programs, you still have a period of time that passes afterwards where you're unpacking what happened and you are now trying to reintegrate into the world without the programs that you had before usually within a common environment that you've been in before. So the environment, and, you know, we're in psychology, we're all doing things based on stimulus versus response. So we're still trying to relate to familiar environments in different ways, which makes it difficult because those programs want to kind of come back into play. We're looking for something that isn't there anymore, that doesn't have a stronghold over us. And your ability to assess what you're thinking and or notice a pattern um, and interrupt that and choose something different is key when it comes to changing anything like that. Gotcha. So what is, when you say, so our subconscious programs, can you give us maybe some examples that are quite common and what's your kind of way of helping people? Do you, do you erase them? Do you reprogram? Do you sort of tweak them? What's your approach? Are you muted? I think you're muted. You're, you're muted, bro. Oh yeah. I muted it because of the chickens. I was I was working with a bunch of different programs the other day and it's very simple stuff. Um, people have a lot of stuff that's going on around maybe this particular client's beliefs. Uh, this person literally had a belief that said, I hate people. Wow. <laughs> and he literally had a program that said, life is sad. Um, I don't love myself. So the lang in the language of the subconscious, if you have something like, I am enough going on, if you keep saying repetitively, I am enough, the subconscious mind follows that up with a yes or a no. So the actual sentence that your subconscious mind plays out is, I love myself, no. I love myself, yes. I am enough, no, I am enough, yes. And it's very common that people have programs like, I love myself, no. Um, some people have programs like, I am crying inside. Whoa. Um, and they get that a lot of that stuff from the music. So a lot of the music, the themes, and a lot of the movies, the themes install into your subconscious these different things. So the opposite program I'm crying inside is I have joy. And I, the opposite of I hate people is people can be good. And um, if somebody has a program that says life is sad, the opposite of that is life is joyful. Um, there's also another component to the, the language of the subconscious where it's I, I either understand or I don't understand what it feels like. Because again, we're dealing with that feeling brain limbic system. So some 
someone had a program the other day. I, I don't understand what it feels like to be accepted. And so the opposite of that is I understand what it feels like to be accepted. And so I could, I could go on and on about that. Yeah, but the yeah. most common things that I get are I am not enough somehow. I'm not safe somehow. Um, I don't feel loved and supported by the creator of all that is. And a simple program like I don't feel supported by the creator can monumentally screw up a whole lot of other stuff in your life. Oh, yeah. Because your connection, you know, it is pretty negative to say this, but most of the people that I see out there in the, in the world are soulless. They don't feel connected to anything. They're walking around their necks bent in a U-shape because they're staring at their phone all the time. And they just are everywhere except for in their body. And these are ten, the people that you find that will have problems. They'll self-sabotage their best attempts at having a normal life because it's, they've been systematically programmed out of being a human, out of being connected to some divine con a connection. They don't, you don't even have to necessarily believe in um, a creator. You could be an atheist and still subconsciously you know that there's something larger than you, because yeah. all of us do. It's actually critical to the brain's function to do that. And yet, we've been marginalized into this strange territory where things like that are no longer our default. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't so, know what to do without the phones. We don't know what to do without the TV. We don't know what to do without the music. There's always something going on that blocks us from ourselves, our true spiritual self. And do you think that's... Uh a part of the social engineer's agenda? Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely it. Um, how can we make people become consumers? Dependent, weak, disconnected from source, from each other. Yep, that way they have to rely on the system. Yeah. Daddy government. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, I, I, I think <clears throat> that is actually quite sad is to... to Like I, I, anytime I meet someone, it's, it's usually guys that are extremely materialistic and sort of atheistic. I'm always, I, I feel empathy rather than other things, animosity or anything like that. I feel empathy because it must suck to, to think, to sort of believe that once you die, that's it, you know, <laughs> that's it. So, Think about how badly the rest of your life's decisions will go if if you don't. If, if for example, not many people don't believe in reincarnation. I believe in reincarnation. Uh, so you start to think not just the decisions, what what repercussions they'll have for this life or for your children's lives, but for your future incarnations. So it becomes. Um, I think it's to me it becomes um just this magical mis mysterious adventure life where you don't know you don't have all the pieces you have a few pieces and you're trying to piece together a massive puzzle that's like multidimensional so I I love that the, the depth and the breadth of of living in in sort of this mysterious wonderland uh as opposed to just You know the, the the way you describe these folks, it looks like they're just very fractured off from from you know the the source. 
fractured is the right word to use there because that's kind of what's happening to their their psyche on a metaphysical level there's aspects of ourselves that exist across all these different planes that we don't even know about the average person is probably never going to think about that i was actually outside feeding my chickens the other day and some people passed by and they were making such a racket the way that they were behaving it was just so out there to me and i thought to myself you know this is their normal default setting what are the odds that these people are ever going to have a real deep spiritual moment in their lives where they feel calm probably not you know and that like that's when like you said empathy comes in because it's got to be hard to maintain that in fact i've noticed with clients and stuff it's increasingly more difficult for them to live inside of a, a constructed narrative than it is to just be themselves to just be still you know and again you're dealing with the hardware you're dealing with the limbic system and so if you're in fight flight or freeze which most people are just <laughs> trying to survive that's tough because you have an entire image, like you said, that's constructed around preserving that. But it's also, who am I within the context of the collective, the tribe, the herd, whatever you want to call it. You know, the subconscious is looking for safety within that construct. And what it feels is safe is anything but that. It's, it's so strange. And it's really, it takes a lot of energy to fit in to the collective it takes more energy to fit in to society's engineered construct than it is to just be yourself <laughs> you know we're emulating whatever they do on the outside by default and that depends on our programs that depends on our ability to self-assess if you can become really secure inside of yourself where you just simply say no to all of those things because you just don't want to sabotage yourself. You just want to be an individual. Yeah. Then you're in a much better place, a, a, a less energetically taxing place, you know? Do you think when you live in a big city with so many, I suppose, you know how we have this, the consciousness, it's not necessarily in the head. It's, you have this field emanating from you and when you live in big cities especially in like an apartment and you're very much overlapping your field your auras or whatever it is um do you think that's where conformity uh, to to force people into conformity becomes easier because if you can um uh manipulate enough let's say a, a critical mass of people's consciousness by the, the the virtue that they're all overlapping they're going to influence other people so then if it's like the crowd like in the big cities um when, when people were masking up and everyone was doing you know the social distancing you were like the old man out not wearing a mask in the big city and people would start self-policing and which is the 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 social engineering psychopaths wet dream do you think that has something to do with that 
Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. I mean, the subconscious mind is a scanning device. Even when your eyes are closed, it's scanning the environment, essentially picking up what's going on in the field. That's, you know, have you ever had a hunch on something? Yeah. And you kind of knew something was going to happen before it did or yeah, whatever the case is. That's really what's happening. Like you are picking up on what's happening in the environment all the time. We are exposed to this collective consciousness net around whatever country we live in. And that holds all the information about the culture, all the common behaviors and common thoughts, all the fears, all the joyful things, you name it. And we are pushing against that unless we tap into our individualism and our ability to notice what's going on across the screen of our minds so that we can accept or reject what's coming in. We are shit out of luck because we're always going to be overpowered by default by that consciousness in it. And so we have that around our individual country. We have it around the world but then we also have one around our house so if we live in an apartment building all the shared thoughts of everybody in that household and all of the apartments and you know the guy the weird guy that lives in the basement the superintendent whoever that's all going into one uh i guess let's call that box and you are constantly drawing from that by default and then there's also things like imitative learning, which is just the mirror neurons, which cause us to unconsciously copy certain behaviors. So um, I am not one that goes with the Matthias Desmond theory of mass hypnosis. I think I think he's one of them. I think he, he was put out there to kind of mess with the minds of the people in the truth movement and get them to kind of point fingers you're under hypnosis you know we all are we're all asleep to something we're all hypnotized in one way or sure. another we spend most of our time um in hypnosis throughout the day uh much to the dismay of people who think that they are thinking all the time um we have what's called internal representation systems which are these subconscious processes that form as a result of our programming from 0 to 7, 7 to 14, 14 to 21, and 21 to 35. And then after 35, it's really difficult to change any programs. After that, we can take on new ones, but all the old ones are really hard to to break out of. And so that's why you see like stubborn 65-year-olds that don't know jack shit that think that they're the wisest <laughs> thing just because they're old. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So... Yeah. Uh, neurologically, we're just wired for imitative learning. And so that plays a huge part of what goes on as well. Mirror neuron, neurons. If you see enough people doing something, you're going to be like, oh shit, I should be doing that too, right? By default. If you've ever seen uh, a video, I can't remember. The standing up one? Yeah, the one where they're standing up in the office. Yes. Yeah. That's a good example. That's eerie shit, isn't it? That, yeah, that is it's eerie but unfortunately that's the way it works you know i just wonder like if they put us you or me in that situation do you think we would succumb to that well i wouldn't because i know exactly what's going on i i stick out like a, a sore thumb during the whole pandemic thing. <laughs> oh, I'm wearing masks. I'm not doing that. Same. I'm not sanitizing 
Same, bro. That, you know? Same. Yeah, so I can yeah. only speak for myself. And you know, like I said, like also when Matthias Desmond came and started talking about this stuff, I was like, no, that's that's not how it works. Everybody's operating off of their own kind of internal guidance system, their own coping mechanisms that they've developed. The television plays a, a massive role in that. Um, family influence plays a massive role. In what their friends think and believe play a massive role in that. They're, they're not going to just go into a mask of hypnosis automatically like that. All they're doing is they're drawing information from common behaviors and they're acting on that. And they're choosing. They're choosing um, their fear responses and their imitative responses over that. I mean, if they are TV watchers and they consume a lot of music and stuff, then they're already pre-programmed with multiple instances of what should I do if this happens. So that's what an internal representation system sounds like. What should I do? It doesn't mean that everybody's walking around in a hypnotized trance that says there's a virus, you should do this. Yeah. It's just... What should I do when I see other people doing this? What should I do when I see this computer-generated image of a virus? What should I do in these yeah. situations? It's not, it's not as simple, simplistic, and people aren't as dumb as that theory makes itself. You know? Yeah. You know, everybody's just got their stuff, and they're picking up that stuff from the TV most of the time. You know, 80% yeah. of what's on TV is designed to scare the shit out of you. Um, the only reason to watch movies and TV is to understand what people come to believe. Literally. You want to know what the, the What people are being brainwashed with currently. What bullshit they're being brainwashed with. Yeah. And yeah. You've heard me explain this, I'm sure, that the prefrontal cortex right here, it shuts off when you watch TV. Within 60 to 90 seconds, it gets turned Whoa. off completely. So Whoa. you blindly accept information. You can't reject it, even if you're emotionally having a reaction to it. In fact, that makes it easier. Is the limbic system is now weakened and um, what happens when somebody experiences something traumatic is that other parts of the brain shut off the medial prefrontal cortex shuts off you go into a shell of yourself so if you're watching a horror movie and you think you're enjoying it in your brain you're not in your limbic system you're not when you're shutting down you're creating this compartment that's based on the fear that you felt um, when something really gory happened in the movie, later on in your life, you act on that. And so that's kind of what happened during the pandemic as well. Later on in, in people's lives, they acted on that. Also, there's um, subconscious information that is in the collective consciousness, which we just talked about, that it, it remembers. You know, so we have those basic four levels of belief, which is the core belief, which is the stuff that we get from childhood that we accept. They become a big part of us and make who we are. And they're stored right here in that frontal lobe as well. But then you have the genetic level, which is all the programs that are coming from ancestors. And that is, that's automatically added to your genetic sequence when you come into this body when you're born. And that's all in a morphogenetic field around the physical um, DNA of the body, the field of knowledge that tells the DNA how to act. And then you have like the history level, so that's all the past life stuff. Um, 
deep genetic collective consciousness experiences that we bring into the present moment and that story inside your aura and then you have all the things that are inside of your heart that make you the individual that's the soul level and when something major happens like a pandemic we draw from all these other experiences throughout our daily life already from these different levels including the core level the genetic level history level soul level so it doesn't take much by then for us to begin to react to act in the way that we have before thousands of years ago as a result of a threat we already know that um this form of humankind has been around for 200,000 years at least in this particular genetic makeup so we're carrying all of that 200,000 years at least worth of information that the social engineers that go to the <laughs> the Hollywood movie uh, sets and dictate what should be on the screen, they all know that people are very, very fragile on a subconscious level. And they're always manipulating us using those things. Yeah, dude. I love what you said there. This is this is the reason we don't have we don't own a TV in our house, and we don't. I I don't watch anything like on. I don't have Netflix, you know, like no movies, no um, shows, because I I believe a lot of guy guys like uh, researchers and stuff in the truth community, they're like um, I'm watching it to analyze it and. To, you know what I mean? But it's like... Um, it's that self-justification index. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching I'm watching it, uh, uh, but you're still getting influenced by it. It doesn't matter how, how strong you think your psyche is. And sure, your psyche might be much stronger than the, the people that are in this pretty much hypnosis state with their prefrontal cortex switched off. Um, but it's still affecting you. And this is why, you know, any music pop music all the stuff um i i only listen to very specific music that you know we curate with my wife classical music <clears throat> techno music uh which is you know not created by in, with an agenda and uh, this is you know i think this is super important this is what has allowed me over the over the last 10 years to actually become an independent thinker i wasn't I, I can't say i was always an independent thinker but i believe one of the the most important thing was removing removing yourself from from these you know influences curating like i follow some youtube channels through an app that parses youtube i don't even use youtube on my phone i don't even have android or apple I have a separate uh, operating system that's um open source and completely degoogled and i use youtube through an app right so i'm I'm like a little bit different than most most uh people but um you you have to i believe in this day and age if you don't curate everything that bombards your senses you're going to get bombarded with a lot of shit with an agenda behind it yeah absolutely most people waste their time living up people's lives Yeah. And that's true. What's... It's true whether you're in the 
truth community or the spiritual community or whatever, you were probably living by the narrative of someone else. And I don't know about you, but it feels great to not be plugged into any of that stuff. It's better to be a creator than a consumer of things. And um, once I realized that everything was just a series of prisons that you're going to have to free yourself from, it's like, oh, no way. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I always knew anyways that something wasn't right about society and the way that it was set up. And um, I always saw the music thing as an act of service, whereas all the other musicians I ever met or played with, it was all about them. So how do I look? How do I sound? It's like, I don't worry about that. Like, just, just fucking enjoy it. And just like, you know, people out there are smiling because they don't, you know, they had a shitty day or whatever, and this is what they need to get by. Like, why can't you see that that's more important than yourself? you're pretty much trying to beat a dead horse at that point when you're trying to talk to people like that in that mindset, you know? But um, think of it in this way. If you're in a war, you're not going to stand up and be like, I'm right here, motherfucker, let's go. And you're going to get riddled with bullets as soon as you stand up, (laughs) right? So you have to guard your consciousness in the same way take away all of these things because you're missing out on the best part of life which is yourself and i'm sure like it's the same with me and and my my girlfriend um we are exactly the same we think the exact same way we don't have any of the programs that anybody else has we are very much go within to figure out what's going on type people We don't take in music, movies, nothing like that. You know, my girlfriend sees her kids with stuff like that. She'll, like, throw their phone out the window or whatever. (laughs) You know, don't bring it up to the the kitchen table when we're eating. Toss it out the window. Like, fuck your phone. You have kids? Uh, She has kids. I suppose they're my kids. But (laughs) they're my kids now. But, um, you know, that's the way things work for us. We don't conform to the outside world we're just not interested anymore yeah what we have found is that there's nothing out there that anybody else is saying or doing that really has had a massive impact on our lives and caused us to have a massive shift in any kind of way you know that's hard for a lot of people to hear especially the ones who are just getting into personal development or whatever and they want to find answers to their problems but the answers are inside of you. That's so cliche, but the answers are literally inside of you should you be willing to listen, but it comes through unpacking your subconscious environment. The goal of any spiritual process is to make what is subconscious conscious. It's that simple. Mm, Interesting. You know what I I, I was thinking about when I was listening, listening to your talk yesterday? Um, there was some book, I can't remember what the book was, but you know, one of these big self-help authors, you know, was when I was in my twenties, was buying books here and there and reading all sorts of stuff. And something clicked in me when I saw on a, 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 a chapter or whatever subtitle or title that said something like, you don't need their approval. And when 
once I sort of internalized that you, a lot of what I've been doing, my behaviors in life has been some type of approval seeking behavior. And when I realized I am good enough, I am an adequate person and more than adequate. I don't need to impress people. Um, you know, things a lot of, like things got a lot easier. Can can you maybe unpack that a little bit? Why why are so many of us the like uh, seeking approval from others? Is is it rooted in childhood experiences? It's that deep seated urge coming from the subconscious, which is very tribal. It's it's a I guess it's a construct of the tribal mind, because remember we're talking about that limbic system, and we're talking about the prefrontal cortex, which is all of our morality, spirituality, our ethics, our values, things like that, our connection with a, a higher power. And we're just looking around to see what other people are doing and wanting to fit into the context of that. So whatever we emotionally bond to, whoever we emotionally bond to controls us. The mind controllers of this world know that if you make a change to a person's thoughts, you change their emotions and you change their behavior. If you change their behavior, the other two change. You change their emotions, the other two change. So it's it's a constant push and pull between us versus these hundred people. <laughs> because the, the, those hundred people that run the world, they know that they're not the enemy. They know that the individual with their spiritual journey is the problem and if you can manipulate that you hijack their spiritual development their mental development their cognitive processes you got them for life you got a, a customer for life you got somebody you can mess with for your entire life and they do get something out of that it's like i i love to use the example of there's all these memes on the internet about narcissism characteristics of narcissism but nobody ever looks at it and goes that's our government you know nobody ever does that yeah. and so we're looking to in the same way that a person who is in a narcissistic relationship a narcissistic romantic relationship or narcissistic parental relationship um we are subconsciously codependent on that we have a need for external validation we have a need to get this person to love us, to like us, to, I guess, want to accept us. That's what we're doing. And how, how do you think uh, um, we can, as parents, how can we avoid our kids becoming sort of approval-seeking people? As soon as, as soon as that kid comes out the womb, don't expose it to anything that's going on out there. Critical thinking is not that hard to teach a child. And most people think they have to, and we have the expression, handle them with kid gloves. We think we have to lie to our kids. We think we have to make up stories or sugarcoat things or water things down. But kids are just like us. Most adults are just really big children, right? Yeah. So when you treat your children with that level of respect and, and reverence, and, and when I say reverence, I mean having a child is a deep spiritual experience. It, you have to treat that experience of being with your child the same as you would, I don't know, if you're going to communion or whatever. It's a ritual, right? 
And so the same way you wouldn't get a bunch of dog shit and throw it on your altar, you wouldn't put that in your kid's brain either. You'd be very, very matter of fact with them, very truthful. Now, the, where that can be tricky is that kids have black and white thinking. So they, they're always thinking, I'm good, I'm bad, this is good, this is bad, right? But you can use that to your favor because if they understand that certain things are bad, they're not going to gravitate towards those things. You just explain to them and keep that guard their consciousness. They don't need to watch cartoons. You already know this because you work with autism and I'm sure you come across all these children that they do better when they're interacting with their environment, period. Whether there's, you know, some impediment or whether they're regular kids that just they're growing up in, in uh, let's say, a hostile environment or something like that. They do better when they're away from all that stuff and they're just interacting, just playing things out. Because kids kind of just resolve their issues by talking stuff out and you know playing pretend and doing all these different things. But we try to interrupt those things. We do silly stuff like, oh, we say, oh, we're they're, they're, they'll be fine. Just give them a, a TV set or something and, and you know walk away from them. But they, they really depend on us to be with them as much as we possibly can. And that's the thing that's been lost in society with the, the schooling and all this other crap that we yeah. do, daycare and all this other crap. We got we to gotta go to work, so we got to give our kids to someone else yeah. to take care of. Yeah. It's where our inability to be responsible comes into play. You know? Fortunately, times are changing. You can work from home now if you want to. But there are still so many people that don't have the mindset. They don't know how to survive in a world that isn't dictated by a paycheck mind control, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude, this is for me. I, <clears throat> I can't believe some like I know in the States it's really bad. Like the women don't get much of a maternity leave. Um, I even heard one one um, colleague I had in a, a company I was working for some years ago that two weeks after she gave birth, she was already back in the office. So imagine a two two week old baby and it's it's in the hands of another person. You know what I mean? Like wh where? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Right. You and know they damage they damage our kids like that. They yeah. damage us. We've been damaged as soon as we came out. What did they try to do? Try to stick us with some needle. Yeah. Try, they take us away from the parent momentarily, whereas the baby just came from a particular environment and it needs to stay connected to that environment for as long as possible. We do all this dumb shit like give our kids formula rather than breastfeeding. And nature doesn't make any mistakes. No, It, it no. really does not. Like I like to use the example that when the leaves fall from a tree, they fall in a particular geometric pattern, they spiral down to the ground. And they, even the way that they, the, the tip of the leaf points in a particular direction is all defined by geometry. Mm. So yeah. we keep trying to make things better because they said so. It, it'll be better this way. And we violate natural law and we do it to our kids. And then we yeah. wonder why the kids are so fucked up. Because we're doing it to them and we don't yeah. take responsibility for that. We have to take responsibility for that. Every little thing and every every moment that we're away from our kids, it affects them up until a certain point. Bro, for sure. Listen, I, I'll tell you, man, like one of the most heartbreaking things 
to me is to see my daughter when my wife needs to go work for just an hour or two. Like my daughter is like, mama, mama, crying. And like, it's so difficult still to like, think about being separate. So that moment, like, or even if she's like doing a, an online class in the other room uh, for an hour and she's like, mama, mama, trying to get into the room. I'm like, got two doors closed in between. So we don't disturb mama while she's working. And an hour, I'm like, well, it's not always like that. I, I just need to kind of get her you know, to snap out of it and we can play and do stuff. But you can see on a micro scale how, not traumatic, but sort of how difficult that is for a child. And now imagine sticking them eight hours a day, five days a week away from your parents. And then you, your parents pick you up for two hours, three hours, then it's bedtime. What the fuck is that? Exactly. And it's, you know, it, it, in this instance, it's, it's double-sided because you have to work to feed the child. And that's yep. why things are set up that way. But, you know, people weren't meant to work. We weren't meant to do all this dumb stuff. And money becomes the insidious factor in all of this. Yeah, man. So Totally. I think, okay. like, one thing that, that I've had to deal with uh, in, in my business is, is women who don't know how to tell other people no for the sake of their child. Mm. It's like, when you're, you're doing something... And your child wants something, everything else has to go on pause. It doesn't matter what the other person thinks. Like, fuck them. Like, your child's psyche and, and your needs is more important. You tell that person, hold on for 10 minutes. I have to go soothe my child or I have to go make my child a sandwich. Like, a three year old can't, you know, go to the fridge and, and get juice on their own. No. They shouldn't, you know, but there's people there. Yeah. So, they can, you know, they're so monumentally fucked up by the way that their parents heard that from a very young age. They learned to do that, you know. And yeah. we we all come from generations of people who were like that. You know, at twelve they were working because that's just what you had to do to survive. You know, so that's in the collective consciousness, and it's our responsibility to break those patterns. Totally, bro. I think we need to try to get back to putting family first because everything is catered towards the breakdown of the family system. Whether it's meant to be or, or whether in like in your situation, your hand just gets forced a little bit and yeah. it's like, okay, well, I kind of have to do this thing over here. What do I do about my child? You know? Exactly. The, so the war, the, the battlefield of this war is literally in your home. It's not, you're not going to go out. I'm not going to like, honey, cancel all my Friday meetings. I'm going to go fight the Illuminati out there on the field you know what i mean it's like the battlefield it's like my look dude I just i'm saying this i'm not judging anyone uh any parent that i i understand how demanding kids are and i i, I understand sometimes you need to take a shower and putting the the tablet with some cartoon for 20 30 minutes is an effective way to get your child to chill the fuck out and let you do whatever cook dinner or whatever but me and my wife we're like so far we're you know a year and a half into this and we're like we're not gonna we're gonna like keep her away from devices even our own phones when she's looking at our phone and i'm on my phone i'm like shit why am i even on my phone in front of this kid put the phone away so she's not interested in it and like people used to say when i didn't have kids i'm like ah, these kids are using 
too much TV and uh, too much, too many devices. And people would always tell me, "You see when you have kids," and it's always "You see when you have kids." And I say, a lot of these kids are eating a lot of absolute trash, processed garbage, poison. That's why they have so many health problems. And then the people would tell me, "You see when you have kids." You see, you see, and no, I, 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 I don't see. It's a decision. <laughs> you manage I yourself. Made. You manage yourself, and you don't really have any problem managing your kids. Yeah. And people say that all the time. They're like, they say the same thing to me. You find out when you have kids of your own, yeah. and it's like, no. Well, I, in my experience, it's been you because I mentor other kids, right? So I've I've been mentoring other kids for this whole time, and. Um, I even started mentoring kids before I was on this path because I give guitar lessons and stuff like that. And I could see like kid people would just dump their problems on me. The kids would dump their problems on me and the wow. kids wanted to be better, but their parents didn't know how to facilitate that. Right. So it's the same thing. When people say you'll find out when you have kids of your own, it's like, well, I'm fixing other parents fuck ups right now. So <laughs> I think I'm pretty well equipped to deal with yeah. that situation. And mm. if your environment doesn't facilitate garbage, then your kid's not going to take in garbage. It's always garbage in, garbage out when it comes yeah, to man. the brain. And like you said, you know, you can't avoid it. Like your phone's going to ring sometimes, you know, and kids are going to know that phones exist, but it's what you teach them about the reality of those things that matters in the end. They emulate your behavior. And yeah. um, people have this really bad mindset that, well, I can't control what other people do and stuff like that. But yeah, but you're supposed to control your kids, though. Not in a negative way, but you're supposed to determine their mindset and, and, and shape their thinking so that when they get around other kids, let's say they want to go to school. Well, you can talk to your kids about the reality of going to school. You can let them know it's not necessary. You can let them know that they'll still have all the same friends without going to school. That's just a fact. But a lot of people don't see it that way because they think like they're going to do something to their kids that hurts them. And I know this firsthand because my, my girlfriend, I because well call her my youngest, <laughs> she, she doesn't go to school at all. Completely wow. different human being to the other two that went through traditional schooling. How how old is she? Eight this year. Wow. And what I realized is that we were just talking about this last night. What I realized is that she has stayed in that creative flow state. Normally, you break out of that around six. Hmm. That's what the other kids are doing, or the other kids that go to traditional schooling break out of that before kids that are playing on the tablets or the xbox or whatever they break out of that stuff really she hasn't changed a bit wow she's just as creative she's outside digging for worms talking to her like her her pet well her bird toy feeding it worms pretending to feed it worms doing all these different things yeah she climbs trees she goes and like she pretends to be a, a a cat or whatever and she's like look i'm a cat and there's nothing insidious about it it's just a kid having fun playing pretend and resolving things and learning yeah. interacting with the environment all she wants to do is draw all she wants to do is play she doesn't That's like amazing. um she doesn't like being forced to do stuff 
if you leave her on her own, she learns how to spell stuff on her own. She'll ask a question, like, how do I spell this? How do I spell that? And that's when she learns. Yeah. She she has, you know, like those composition notebooks that have like the times table and stuff on the back of it. Um, she looks at that stuff on her own when she feels like it and she knows the stuff. Nobody had to cram it down her throat. I like it. And it's so true because it's it's everything that uh, John Taylor Gatto said coming to life in front of my own eyes. Wow. It just takes a hundred hours to learn to read, write, and mathematics. A hundred hours. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> if you read weapons of mass instruction, yeah, I have it. I have it. Yeah, dumbing yeah. us down or whatever. Yeah, I have you know, that as well. Right, yeah, I have his books. Yeah, 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 really good books. Really good yeah. books. The guys, those are those guys. are books for parents to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this is this is this is super important stuff, man. Um, you know, this is what I was saying at the start. Why I, I you know, you're what why is beyond your ears because like the the stuff that the 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 stuff that comes out of your mouth you know what i mean it's you're fucking brilliant bro in fact i i think i think we're gonna have to have you back on the podcast uh just to you know unpack a lot of this stuff there's i feel like we can discuss a lot of many different themes but uh, i have a question i ask kind of near the end of interviews uh, this is part of my solutions talk segment. So I want to ask you, Jehan, what are you doing that others can do also to increase their freedom, self-reliance, autonomy, and or resilience to the challenges that we face this decade and beyond? Refuse to make yourself miserable about anything. I would give the biggest tip right here read a book called How to Stubbornly Refuse to Make Yourself Miserable About Anything. Yes, Anything by Albert Ellis. That's a very long title. Albert Ellis is one of the founding fathers of Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. Ellis? Albert Ellis. E-L-L-I-S. Ellis. Yeah. Okay. Albert, A-L-B-E-R-T, Ellis. Got it. How to stubbornly just... refuse to make yourself miserable about anything. Yes, anything. That okay, I... book changed my life because the journey of self-awareness never ends. It continues until the day you die. Every moment that you aren't spending being aware of yourself disables you to be present for other people. If you want to have compassion and empathy and the ability to solve your problems in your life and keep your kids away from garbage and keep garbage out of your body, you have to be willing to be present. That's it. Again, all journeys of spiritual development are all about making things that are subconscious. I love that, dude. I just bought the book, so. Damn, we didn't even wait till we got off the show. <laughs> it 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 will be here in two in two days. Boom. Thank you so much, bro. Um, actually, I just just before we wrap up, I uh, a question I wanted to ask uh, a little bit earlier. We kind of got uh, onto another uh, thread there. Um, 
can you just give us a little bit of a glimpse? So in terms of um, how, how do you, in terms of how you coach people, how do you understand what their dominant sort of stories or patterns or, 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 or whatever are that are sort of, that they allow to sabotage their life? How do you elicit that information out of them? How, how do you help them sort of, tweak it so it, it becomes more productive people are always speaking their beliefs they're always telling you they it's all the same stories that they've rehearsed and rehashed over and over all the time sometimes people will come to me and they will start saying all these things because for the first time in their lives somebody actually is being present and they're actually listening and people love a listening ear so oftentimes people will say things that we think don't have any real value. You have to watch them to see what things have value for them. When they start showing you what has value for them, that's your key right there. And you can ask them questions, you know, what would be the worst thing that would happen if this outcome didn't manifest for you? Um, Sometimes when they say stuff, the goal of any therapeutic counseling is to get that person to self-realize because all change begins on a cognitive level. Anything that's in the subconscious, you can access that on a conscious cognitive level and get that person to bring it up out of the subconscious and they will tell you what's in there. And you can become a feedback loop. So that's one of my main methods for helping people. I teach them to listen to what comes out of their mouths and realize that you can change that at any time. This shit about, yeah, I have to be positive and you know, I got to reframe everything to a more positive. Fuck that. Like, life is happening all the time. It's real. And that's another distraction technique that has come out of the cult mm -hmm. of psychotherapy, the, the toxic positivity movement, mm -hmm. the new age thing. Distract people from being an individual and thinking critically about things you have to look at the fact that we live in a polarized reality dualistic in nature everything's got at least two sides to it we have to assess both sides equally in order to understand really the depths of what's going on so if somebody's saying something rather than label that as being negative listen to what they're saying try to pick out what is the key sentence that they're trying to tell you and then you feed that back to them. You can change your, your tone. Like if you said, uh, I had a bad day because I, I hit my toe on the bedside table and then I went outside and my head hurt and my wife said something to me that I didn't like. And now those are three, what I would call activating events all in one. But the most important thing to me would be the thing with the most emotional content. So what you would have said was, my wife said something to me that I didn't like. So I would say, oh, okay, so that other stuff happened. And then because your wife said something to you that you didn't like, you had a bad day. And the person's going to search for the, whatever meaning they ascribe to that, right? And they're going to say either yes or no. They're, they might say, well, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was this. 
And so that's when you've got them because they begin to self-realize. They begin to access a stream of information that they would not have had if they were just thinking on their own. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Right? So you can practice that in your daily life. You know, people say stuff to you. Look for the thing that has the most emotional balance assigned to it, the most emotional content that you think affected them the most. And you repeat it back to them and say, okay, so let me see if I understand what's happening here. This thing happened, right? And I use a lot of like NLP stuff. Like, but these are, you know, take NLP out of it and bring back the art of conversation. This thing happened, my vocal tone went up at the end. This thing happened, and that signals to the other person that's a question. And they say, Oh, he wants to know what's going on there. It, subconsciously they're thinking well nobody's ever asked me that before okay let me talk about that so through that process they get access to information they would not have had on their own so i, t I tend to teach people how to think like this in the first place and I, I love to say these phrases for what purpose you have a thought about something and you say okay so what, for what purpose do i feel like this is happening you wait long enough your mind will answer you you can question that again. Okay, so XYZ is the case. For what purpose is XYZ the case? And that means, and what it forces you to do is to realize that you're doing all of this thinking in your head. You're telling yourself a false narrative about something, and it constantly points the finger back at you. That way, at the very least, even if somebody else is doing something, you can change because you are in control of where you are at, not the other person. Very interesting, bro. Hmm. There's a lot of like, like uh, this uh, interview that I listened to you. You getting interviewed on this dude's podcast. I forget the dude's name. Um, it was a two-hour conversation. I, I'm like, I was walking my dog uh, yesterday and just really enjoying this conversation. And I was like, "Fuck! I'm gonna have to wear. I'm gonna have to listen to this like at least one more time through and through because you just." pack so much info in like these relatively short statements you know what i mean um but something i was thinking about is i don't know like is it just me maturing more as a person but i used to get in a, a shitty mood back when i was like a teenager in my 20s i'd get in a sh i'd just be in a you know like some people like sometimes they're moody right and I've, I've over the years, or especially over the last few years, I would start like I'd, maybe I'd have a, a good day, and then I'd get in a mood, right? And I, I'd start asking my like literally, it happened. I, I think two days ago, I was like in a bit of a shitty mood, and I noticed I was kind of like a snap, not a snap, but I was like a bit short with my wife, and I was like, wait, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why am I pissed off? I was having a good day, everything is dandy. Uh, you know, my birthday tomorrow, sorts of shit like that, you know, everything is dandy, it's the weekend, gonna eat food, nice food, do, do cool stuff, and then I started, um, like, okay, what did I do, what could I have done, did I hurt myself, no, uh, okay, I was recording, I was trying to record lectures for a video course I'm doing, and I, they were really shit, it was 40 minutes that I'm gonna probably have to re-record, so I was like, fuck all that work, I'm gonna have to redo that, so just, going back the events of the day what what am i pissed off about and then i was like okay so 
how can I flip the script? This kind of I learned from a dude I I'm, I I talk to it, like this men's circle that I go over every couple of weeks. So like, how can you flip the script and stuff and just frame it positive? So I've been trying to flip the script a lot <laughs> the last couple of few weeks. And so I'm like, how can I flip the script? I'm like, say to myself, okay, well, I can think of that 40 minutes of recording as wasted or it's going to take me a long time to edit it down to something coherent for people. Or I can say, I just spent 40 minutes practicing the content. Tomorrow I will record it fresh in the morning and I'm going to knock it out the park and that will make editing a lot faster and easier. So the next day I did record it. I knocked it out of the park. It was much better than it was and everything was dandy. So just, I suppose the my point there is as I guess one matures and I, I think through working with folks like yourself, I think people can learn to um, not self-coach, but just kind of pick apart the like investigate the mood that they're in or the, what pattern of thought that they're in today and they start picking it apart like what is the root cause and then think about the root cause is it a root cause how can you reframe the root cause and then you know things then your your mood suddenly changes and you, you know you're you're nice again to people and whatnot and to yourself yeah i tend to believe that when it comes to moods what, what is a mood a mood is just an emotional state of being and when we're faced with something that we don't want to do, we have to ask ourselves a lot of questions about that. What really is the purpose of being grumpy here? What do we, why, why don't we want to do this thing? Is it because of something that happened in the past that we have a belief about what's happening right now in the present moment? Uh, are you saying, could you have been saying something to yourself like, oh, I'm going to spend all this time doing this thing and then there's going to be this outcome. But just unconsciously, you know, like maybe you didn't feel like it was really worth your time. And if that's what's happening, then what is it you really believe about it? Is there, are there reservations that people aren't going to buy the course or, you know, what what's what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Factor in all those things. So it, it, it really helps with the A plus B equals C type thinking, where A is the activating event, which is your mood, right? Something, something is, sorry, it's not your mood. It's something that's causing the mood. The activating event is having to do the 40 minutes or whatever. C is the consequence, the emotional consequence, your mood. And in between B is the belief. So it's A plus B, the activating event plus the belief equals emotional consequence if you learn to uh reverse engineer your moods that way you know that it's an emotional consequence of something i'm thinking usually something that happened in the past that i'm trying to cross reference in this present moment i felt this way before about doing something similar what it is that happened okay well that's not happening now you know what is yeah. what, what's going to be my payoff for this? Because in life, we are going to have to do so much stuff that we don't feel like doing. We don't even want to do it, but we do it anyway, right? Yeah. Personally, in my business, I've, I've stopped forcing myself to do things that I don't want to do. I don't set deadlines that I know are going to put me under pressure. Because listen to that word, deadline. That's not a good place to be. No. So I won't do anything creative until intuitively... I feel like it's time to work on it. I don't force myself to do work on stuff every day on things 
if I sit there, nothing's coming after 10, 15 minutes, I just get up and do something else. I don't do anything that I don't want to do in, in a respect of my cre- to my creativity because that shuts off the channel. Yeah, and totally. we don't want to effort through like everything. It sucks. And it yeah, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't give you the most natural flow to things. Mm. I, I found that myself that I'm trying to, I, I lost my, I got laid off from my job almost two months ago. So now I'm like focusing very hard. I, I, like I said to my sister, she called me for my birthday a few days ago. I, I said, I would do anything to not have to get into another tech job like I was doing before. And, uh, so I, I'm today I, I woke up before 4 a.m. And, uh, you know, I've been waking up between 3 and 5 a.m. for like the last month just so I have time when before my daughter wakes up to, you know, work on everything. And a- any any second I can spare when she's napping or sleeping, I'm at the computer. So I do, f- I do find I am, you know, pushing myself. But I noticed over the weekend, two days, I, I ba- barely did anything. And then Monday, which was yesterday, I just had like an extremely productive day. So what I noticed is like what you said, efforting is bullshit. You know, it's 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 it sucks to to have to do that. If you just give yourself some space to recharge or just, just to be away from whatever it is you're working on, you come back, fresh set of eyes and amazing stuff happens. Yeah, if you look at the greatest minds out there <laughs> I'm talking like the Ernest Hemingways of this world, C.S. Lewis, Henry David Thoreau, all these people, uh, Albert Einstein, Bill Gates. Oh, fuck that. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, all these people that um, were created, they lived in the land of the solution. They were in their subconscious mind as much as they could, but they would lay down and take a nap for 20 minutes and then get up and be like, oh, I think I know what I'm going to write here. I think I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do for this invention here. Right? They weren't trying mm. so hard. A hustle <laughs> culture has come along to yes. force us back into the rat race again. Everything yes. is a trick. Everything is just designed to push us back into the same mindset, the same game. Mm-hmm. You just got to not play the game. Yeah. I love it, man. I, just Just before, like, uh before um this uh interview we we started recording i i had a um, a client call for an hour so i went down got a glass of water got my got my stuff ready so i said okay i'm going to you know look at your you know research my guest as i normally do before um before the the thing and i said let me let me do a little bit of video editing so i was like getting sleepy dude so i just like literally i just lay back and like I, for 20 minutes, I just power napped here in the chair <laughs> and I woke up, dude. And I just like this injection of, uh, cause normally I'm, I'm nervous before an interview, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, what if I ask stupid question or like I, I'm asking the same questions they've been asked every time. I'm trying to be original here, but uh, <clears throat> I just came and I, I saw like your welcoming smile. I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to be nice. It's going to be a great conversation. Zero effort, zero effort through and through, you know? Yeah, well, you know, that's what I did, right? I came on, I just talked to you, like, we've known each other forever. I, I don't see any difference between myself and other people. Sure. And that's that's one thing, one of the biggest 
techniques that have been employed through the years working with clients or podcast guests or whoever, people on the street. I'm just talking to myself in the mirror. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And especially when you have positive self-talk, because I, I noticed some of my some of my programming from childhood it would be you know i find myself criticizing people a little bit so i've been trying to you know get out of that snap out of that over the the past two decades you know so uh but i notice the more i accept myself and i'm in a place of acceptance and love the more i can relate to most more people and the less because i used to have specific people we would trigger each other that this kind of personality that kind of personality but uh, over time just i find less people become less people are annoying you have more in common with uh, more people and you will always find something in common with anyone whether they're you know 15 years old 50 years old man woman whatever yeah it's true i mean sometimes you gotta force it too sometimes you're like okay yeah. this person's an idiot what do i have in common with them they yeah. have two feet i have two feet <laughs> you know they're a human <laughs> being so yeah. maybe something else is going on there you know it's, it, shit's crazy on this planet right now i'll be the first to tell you that unashamed shit's crazy and i don't think that it's going to get any better because the people that are orchestrating this are diligent workers if everybody worked like them on their yeah. personal growth jesus we would yeah. be a really, really spiritually evolved race of people. If every single person, individual, had the drive to better themselves in the way that these people are looking to monumentally fuck up everybody else's life, it would be a hell of a thing. Like they were no there would be nobody to fuck up, you know. Totally, bro. So you, you you've clearly you've clearly dug deep into this type of research how how long ago did you start getting into this kind of stuff out of curiosity oh, this when you say this kind of stuff you mean you know conspiracy uh, organized crime oh you mean unspeakable government. truth okay yeah uh, i didn't like the government from the time i was about six years old i had to write an acrostic poem for school and it was the the word Barbados and each letter in the word Barbados was a different line in the poem and we kind of had to memorize it so we had to write it out it was already written for us and I was like no I'm not doing that doesn't <laughs> make sense to me that, not that's doing all it. for me dog <laughs> you know, got into a lot of trouble for that and my parents were sweating they were like you have to do it you know because they're under government mind control right they're yeah. a good state to the system and i'm like it doesn't feel right i don't want to do it no yeah and so my mom used to say i was the kind of person you, you couldn't make me do anything i didn't want to do and i just <laughs> i just didn't want to do it and uh the entire class got into trouble and i'm still not doing it <laughs> <laughs> man i love that and so you know so throughout my life I just, I despised like CNN and stuff like that because the news was always on and I would listen to what they were saying and it was like, oh, this stuff doesn't make any sense. It seems fake to me. And then when I got into music and stuff, 
I started to get exposed to the darker side of things like when contracts came onto the table and uh, going to rich people's houses that wanted to invest or going to meetings with artists and repertoire from record labels and stuff like that. I realized this is very this is a very dark scene. A lot of these people are into dark stuff, weird sex parties. They want to make you sign away your life. There's like different hidden clauses in all of the contracts to, to make you sign away your image to them and you, know, you don't really make any money off of the deals and stuff like that. And it's like, no, this is not something I want to be a part of. And that red code me in a big way because one of my lawyers actually stopped me. It's like, listen, man, you're not that kind of guy. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm not that kind of guy? I want to play music. He's like, no, you're not that kind of guy. Let me explain this to you. And he, there was a YouTube channel by a guy called Farhan Ken at that time. And he was exposing the Illuminati stuff. Right? And I know a lot of people would say, oh, Illuminati, or whatever, when they hear that. But you got to kind of take, when you're doing research, you got to try not to put labels on things and, and have preconceived notions and judge things immediately. And I learned that that day. Because I was like, what are you talking about the Illuminati? <laughs> and he showed me these videos. He turned his laptop around and he's like, watch this. And I watched it and my jaw hit the floor. I was like, what? This is real? And he's like, yeah, this is real. Like, I am having serious reservations. And he had an honest, open conversation with me about how he felt about doing the work that he did. He was having a crisis of conscience. Mm-hmm. where he realized that he was sending all of these people off to the slaughter to become products of this massive scam, which is the music industry. And they got him eventually because he didn't want to comply anymore. They got him. They went after his house, went after his private practice, got him disbarred, all kinds Whoa. of things like that. And Whoa. sad to say he's actually now homeless. He went. He couldn't handle the pressure of, of it. And Jeez. he lives on the streets somewhere now. Um, oh my they, God. they got him real good. Like they messed up his marriage, everything. They went after him in a big way. And it's because he was doing stuff like that. Like he wouldn't do, he wouldn't sign off on any more illegal things. Because I think he was doing stuff in government as well in his private practice. Wow. Um, so he woke me up that day for real. So every. I don't want to use the word mistrust, but essentially that's what it is. Every bit of mistrust for the government that I ever had and for society came up for me to, to analyze that day. And um, I eventually started researching all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, what's on the Internet isn't the best quality information. That's all a narrative, too. Mm-hmm. And it's all created by the same people that are trying to rule over you. There are so many people in the so-called truth community that you need to stay away from. I wouldn't recommend yeah. to anybody um, idolizing like David Icke or anybody like that. Mm-hmm. He's got some good information, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have to think for yourself. And pretty much anybody yeah. that you see that has an online presence of more than 10,000 followers on Instagram or something or Facebook, they're co-opted because they're, it gets to a point where they come to you and they're like, hey, listen, what is the purpose of this thing that you're doing? 
What's your agenda? Are you trying to make a living? What are you trying to do? And they buy you off or they threaten you. And you have people that have had to change their location. You know, if you live in North America, you're a target, you know? Mm. And um, it's a real serious thing that happens. And um, you just have to learn discernment. But you only get discernment by going inside of yourself and really trusting yourself and trusting your intuition, knowing who you are at the core. What are your values? What are you trying to create in this life? Because there's a lot of the truth community that is cleverly designed to lead you into this division thing. It's us versus them. It's the Q communities, right? The flat earthers are right. The, uh, you know, Jesus is coming back to save the world. <laughs> Trump is, is going to save us all. Yeah, it's the Kali Yuga. <laughs> you know, it, there's a we're reaching a critical mass. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a mass extinction event. All this stuff. None of that's true. The world goes on and on and on and on and on without human beings, right? What the what the people at the top that orchestrate this stuff know is that. Good people will very willingly do the work of a few evil men, right? So that's the thing that's used against us all the time. And most people are concerned with one thing, themselves, Mm -hmm. but not in a healthy way, self-preservation. So that's the underlying motive for a lot of people to get into the truth community or conspiracy theories and things like that. What does conspiracy really mean? Well, it comes from conspirare, which is mm-hmm. to work together or to breathe, right? So it's just understanding that things are never going to be what they seem on the surface. You have to think for yourself. You have to be critical of other people and not in a negative way where you're just crying down people all the time, but you have to think very critically about the things that they say and watch their actions, watch who they are, right? Especially when it comes to technology and stuff like that. If they were saying something that was really true, that was worthy of censorship in these times, why are they allowed to say it? Why do they have 170,000 followers, period? Yeah. If they were really that dangerous, why would they be allowed to continue to perpetuate their, their narrative, what they're saying online? Like myself, I've been shadow banned for like six years, but it gets worse every year. And I started off just talking about consciousness. Mm. I started off just saying, you know, you got to look inside of yourself <laughs> to find out what's really going on in the world. And they're like, Shh, no, you can't say that. And, you know, you get yeah. eight likes on your Instagram post or whatever. But yeah. I just did a social experiment. So I'm glad you asked me this question because I kind of get to talk about that. I was only reaching 683 people on Instagram with all the posts out of 3,000 some 800 and something followers. Mm. I was only reaching 600 and something people. Uh, 10 of them were non-followers. Wow. I started changing what I posted. I started posting those really stupid spiritual memes three four times a day i queued it all up on meta business suite and walked away from it for a month i come back my reach was over nine thousand people 
6,000 or more of those people were non-followers. Now the question is, why are the non-followers unable to follow me even though they like my content? And why is that, do you think? Because the algorithm doesn't allow them to follow me. I think they either get a warning that says it's unwise to follow this person, Whoa. or they're following me and it doesn't, doesn't register on my uh, overall account on my profile page because they sent me an email saying, you reached X amount of people and 135 people followed you. And I was like, really? Because it still says the same number it said a month ago, right? And I've noticed that, that when new people follow me, it'll be like, I'll get like 10 people who follow me in a day and then I wake up the next morning and it'll be right back to the same number it was before that. So they're limiting people who are saying anything that will get people to critically think. It's not whether it's the truth or whether it's not the truth. It's, it, is this person questioning the narrative at all in any realm? Is, it, is he questioning the psychological realm? Is he questioning what's going on in the government? Is he questioning what is consciousness? Are people going to become dangerous thinkers because of what this person is saying? And then you get a cat put on. Mm. Yeah, bro. I, I did a similar thing. I Well, kind of a, a social experiment of sorts. I created a Rumbo account and I uploaded like 60 or so videos from a, just a free video lecture series on autism stuff. And I, I have hundreds of, I have three followers and hundreds of views of those things, of those videos already in like from one, one two months, whatever. And I uploaded a few of the same videos to YouTube and I have like 130 or 50 followers on YouTube. I, I, I stopped using YouTube when they were censoring me back in 2020. Um, so I, some of them got zero after days and days, got zero views, even though I have a hundred something followers and I got hundreds of views on a brand new uh, channel on Rumbo, which is a much smaller network. So I, I don't even fucks with, with social media, although I will probably start, you know, doing stuff see but it probably will not it will probably be a, a a waste of time so i won't really be investing much time because of what you just said yeah it's an incredible waste of time and i'm actually going to walk away from posting very much on social media because i've never once gotten a client through really social media i get yeah. all of my uh clientele from, through word of mouth Mm. and people who listen to podcasts and they're like oh yeah. well, you sound like the guy that's going to help me or somebody else listens to my podcast and they send it to a family member or a friend they're like i think this guy can help you with whatever it is mm. right and yeah, yeah. i i know exactly how it feels like i'm not talking about the stuff that you're talking about but the stuff that you are talking about it's solving problems and that's a very dangerous thing they don't want problem solvers um no. they want people that are going to funnel people right back into the system every time oh yeah right and and that's hard for a lot of people to hear because they've gone to some of these people you know whether it's coaches clients um have told me they've been to other coaches or therapists and stuff and it's helped them a little bit and i get that yeah it helped you a little bit but here you are at knocking on the door of the guy that people only come to when they're at a zero out of ten in their life <laughs> yeah. you know like that's just my reputation um yeah when things are beyond rock bottom, here you are. And um, it's, a, it's, it's tough for people to accept that there's a, 
entire system and everything is controlled and everything is just trying to put you back on this path of failure in your life. Um, having said that, you know, I've been banned for telling people, here's how to tell the difference between a chemically ripened banana and a regular ripened banana. Here's uh, food diets and how they're linked to childhood <laughs> health issues. You know, I've been, so it doesn't even make sense trying to reach people with that information on social media. Maybe you can make a podcast where they can't detect everything that you're going to say all at once. But a with AI coming in and them being at the the forefront of that technology, you know they're going to find ways to pick out keywords and stuff that you're saying in your podcast and limit you as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's podcasting is the last the last bastion of free speech. So we we just you know I, that's why I'm doubling down on I, I've got another autism and children's health podcast i'm i'm very close to starting a third podcast just on general children's health and i don't give a shit dude i just i let that grow on its own without social media and i know that i know that somehow through the by the grace of god people will find the information the ones that really need the information and um yeah I, i'm glad that we have this ability to do this yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. You just have to trust that the right ones will show up. Yeah. Jahan, thank you so much, bro, for coming on. Really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, would love to have you on again. We can just feel like we could just talk <laughs> anything, literally anything with you, bro. Uh, <laughs> I tend to have that effect on people. <laughs> <laughs> before, before we wrap up, please uh, let the listeners know where they can find you. So if you want to find me, just send me an email at selfsabotageinfo at proton.me. Okay. And we have uh, links to your website and podcast, of course, with the show notes here. And uh, yeah, bro, any any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? Oh, I can't think of anything right now. We might end up talking for another 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, man. Thank you so much again. All right, thank you, brother.